should see in the questions. Uh, could you please run us through your career, like where you started? Uh, this is a bit about yourself. Uh, you started as an individual contributor, right? Now you're the VP of sales. And just could you please take us through the journey a bit? Sure. So uh, I started in sale in B2B sales uh, in 1989. Uh, so long before there was uh, internet and cell internet and cell phones. Uh, I was a uh, territory manager for automatic data processing, ADP, selling payroll uh, and tax filing services. Um, you know, in a confined territory, you woke up in the morning, you worked off of Manila folders and index cards, and a phone at your office or a payphone somewhere along your route. Uh, I did that for uh, a number of years, moving into different roles in the organization, eventually into uh, major accounts, but it was always direct sales. Along the way, uh, I also became one of the first automated salespeople. So ADP was on the forefront of what eventually became Salesforce Automation and now CRM. And uh, I, I developed a passion for that part of the business. So that was in 19... I think 1992, 93, when I got my first laptop. Um, oh. And, and uh, then in uh, mid, like 1995, my, uh, my coworkers had started to go to these uh, startup companies called Oracle and PeopleSoft. And they were literally doing the exact same job I was doing, but they were making three times the money. So I said, I, I think I'm going to move. <laughs> so I went into soft. I went, I moved into software and went, went to work for Dun & Bradstreet Software. And, um, you know, it was, it was a good first experience uh, in software, but I also realized that selling uh, ERP and financial packages was not my, my life's dream. So through a variety of circumstances, Dun & Bradstreet sold off uh, our software division. I found myself looking for a job and I was really enamored with what was then called technology enabled selling. So I went to work for a company uh, doing that. And... Uh, at that point, you know, at least I had a cell phone and a, and a computer, so I was starting to get an idea of it. Uh, I worked for that company for about a year and a half, almost two years, and then got recruited by Siebel, okay. still being an individual contributor, but, you know, learning more along the way about sales process and how to interact with execs. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I was at Siebel for five years, got recruited out of there to go to PeopleSoft. And at that point, PeopleSoft had a, uh, what was the first web-based truly web-based um, Salesforce automation solution or CRM solution in, in PeopleSoft 8. I was managing uh, a combination of uh, direct salespeople and an overlay group. So the folks who were selling PeopleSoft financials and HR could also sell CRM, but they didn't know anything about it. So my job was to, uh, to help them in their sales cycles. Mm -hmm. But that was my first real management, you know, you know, professional sales management job. And again found that i had a, a passion for the sales process and sales training and managing people uh peoplesoft was acquired by oracle i ended up in a in a bigger role at oracle um still managing sales sales people and um uh still with that overlay component as well uh, but again it was you know, more sales process more sales training building and managing teams rebuilding teams finding out what works, what doesn't work, going through mergers and acquisitions and learning what works and what doesn't work in mergers and acquisitions. And um, after I left Oracle, I got recruited into a small company, uh, really as a, a more of a, of a sales operational sales practitioner role and ended up running sales. The mm -hmm. VP of sales retired. They put me in the job. So I did that for about a year and rebuilt 
and redesign that sales operation. Uh, went from there to uh, a company called Cast Iron. Actually, decided I didn't want to be a VP of sales anymore, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> wanted to. I just want to be a regional sales manager. Okay. And a year or so after I joined that company, I ended up running sales. Okay. So, uh, and and just really fell in love with the job at that point. Um, and still stayed very close to CRM because it was an integration solution and you really can't do CRM without integration. Uh, went through an acquisition by IBM. Mm -hmm. So I spent some time at IBM, uh, both within that group, which was called Cast Iron, but then in, a, uh, in, a, in another uh, product startup that they had within IBM. And in that experience said, yeah, I'm not a big company guy. I like to be able to get things done. I like to be able to um, to work with my team. I like to be able to, to change processes that aren't working or try new things and see what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I left there, uh, went to work for a company called LogMeIn, uh, was responsible for their enterprise sales team, was there for about a year and a half. And then uh, from there, went to work for a small BI firm. Again, just you know, build, rebuild the sales team, spent about a year there. And then uh, ended up at Map Anything as their chief revenue officer. You know, same thing. You know, we have a sales process. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. Mm -hmm. uh, rebuild that, get people kind of, you know, build the mentality, you know, sales process mentality. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how do you operate and accord yourself every day? And then uh, from there, I, I went to Jitterbit, which was uh, a bunch of folks from Cast Iron. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of worked our, our, our way back together again. Uh, it's, you know, we're much bigger company than that but there's about 25 of us who work together and now i run north america sales for uh for jitterbit but the kind of the common theme for the last 15 years or so has been building rebuilding managing sales organizations uh sometimes north america sometimes globally mm -hmm. and constantly you know working through sales process how do you you know it's two things really deal engine and uh and deal cycles so how do you get more how do you make it go faster okay <laughs> Brilliant. So that gets up to tonight. That's where we are now. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I guess there are a lot more stories in this. Oh, yes. <laughs> many, many, many stories. I could write books. Well, yeah, if, I'd kept a, if I kept a diary. Brilliant. Uh, okay. One thing I observed when you were mentioning your career was uh, building, rebuilding, and processing. Uh, especially yeah. when you mentioned uh, growing the engine uh, faster and better, right? So when right. you look, uh, when you talk about rebuilding, what are the things you look at? Uh, this is for people like directors or someone who just stepped into the manager role. What do you think they should focus on, especially when you talk about process and rebuilding? Uh, so the first thing is um, is, is to uh, step into it lightly. Okay. So um, I made the mistake, and I've seen other people make the mistake of uh, you take a role and you start trying to change things. Okay. But, you, but I've learned that you need to understand why things are being done a certain way, whether it's specific to the company or the market or the product before you start changing, or even the team itself, right? What's the culture? So I usually, uh, it takes me about four or six weeks, I would say. Um, and that would be one of my advice, you know, pieces of advice is give yourself, you know, uh, you know, a month or so to really begin to understand mm -hmm. where you are and, what, and what's happening. And then you can begin to assess, well, what works and what doesn't. Okay. Um, and then once you realize you know the things that don't work that need to be addressed mm -hmm. um you need to be very um communicative mm -hmm. in, in in the things that you're going to change mm -hmm. and why you're changing them 
So it's not just a, you know, that, hey, this doesn't work, so we're changing it. But but there ha there needs to be a why. There needs to be an explanation. Um, salespeople are very smart. They're very intuitive. Mm -hmm. um, and if they if they sense that things are being done to help them, mm -hmm. to make their job easier, to so they can make more money, uh, then they're more receptive to it. Sure. But if it's cloaked in secrecy or uh, it's not advantageous, then they're, they're gonna fight you. And that just makes the change you know, that much more difficult. So a lot of it just seems really uh, obvious, Viv, but for some reason, um, many people don't take that path and they try to- uh, Yeah, yeah, they just, yeah, they, yeah they, for whatever reason, they think that the, the thing to do is to just make changes and that's just not a good idea. No. So if I had to summarize it, I would say, uh, Step in, take your time, uh, understand why things are being done in such a way, and if there's room for improvement, and if at all, make sure the team knows why you're doing what you're doing, and make sure it is fruitful for them. Correct. There's always room for improvement. There's always a way to do something better, okay. do something different. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's why we have the experience, right? So, you know, if I take somebody uh, who's been in sales for five years and put them in charge of a sales organization. Mm -hmm. And they don't have uh, experience with you know multiple products or multiple solutions or multiple companies. Mm -hmm. It's hard for them to determine what needs to be changed, or they only know one way to do something, and that one way may not work where they are. So, I think that uh, you know at a certain level, uh, you know, if you're truly going to be a vice president of sales or higher, you you, you should be coming to that with uh, a range of experience, not just one job or if you you know five years in sales. Right. Uh, the next one would be, uh, this is to understand because uh, everybody when they're starting out their career, uh, first things seem hard and everything. So mm -hmm. looking back in the hindsight, uh, what do you think is your biggest achievement in your sales career? Uh, and how did you go about achieving it? And basically what are the strategies did you employ or what philosophy you adopted? Yeah. So, so there's, yeah, there, there's two The you know, there's the one that's specific to or, you know, my specific to my career. And then there's, I, I would say where I am today. Mm -hmm. um, so the, you know, I think my, my biggest achievement, and this is true, I think of, of anybody who's been in, uh, in any management position for, uh, for a number of years is when you start to see people that, uh, that you had in your organizations before, and that maybe you promoted into roles, move up the organization, you see them on LinkedIn, and now they're VPs of sales or sales directors or chief marketing officers, what have you. Um, so that's, to me, that's my greatest success. Uh, my greatest reward is when I see the people that I worked with uh, moving into these great roles uh, and, and achieving success in their own career. Um, for myself personally, uh, I, you know, I, I came from uh, you know, a, a, a middle class family. We, you know, we worked for a living. Uh, I worked from the from the day I was 14, actually, even before that, you know, delivering newspapers and cutting lawns. Um, so, you know, learning how to uh, to act and how to navigate in a in a corporate environment, in a big corporate environment, and then to to be successful, right? To so, you know, like I said, I was fortunate because I I did get to some organizations, ADP in particular, where they were passionate about sales training. It was very important. Uh, and that became a, a big part of, uh, of the way I manage people. But, you know, to be able to look back and say, I made, you know, whatever it was, 10 presidents clubs and um, IBM achievement uh, club. And, you know, th those are things that are easy to measure and say, all right, I'm proud of that. Mm 
-hmm. but yeah, you know, I, 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 I've been very fortunate. I've, I've worked for great companies. I've worked uh, with and for some fantastic people. Uh, and I've gotten to learn a lot along the way. And I've been open. Uh, I think one of the, maybe one of the achievements is as I've gotten older in each step of my career, I became more open to learning instead of just seeing, you know, this is the, you know, this is the way I do it, or this is the way it should be done. If you're open to learning, you'll learn from, from people in all walks of life. And uh, I, I think that's, to me, one of my, my biggest achievements is the, is the learning and the teaching. Uh, could you please uh, explain, I'm not aware of uh, the President's Club. President's Club, so some companies do this and some don't. It's basically uh, recognition for achievement. So um, generally it's over 100% of quota. Sometimes it's 110%, 120%. Um, and it usually comes with uh, you know a trip somewhere nice. Like we've been to places, we've been to Hawaii a few times and the British, uh, British West Indies. We've been to uh, Puerto Rico, Aruba. Um, I've had trips that I won, but I didn't go. I didn't go to Bali. I didn't go to, uh, I didn't go to Vail. I didn't go to uh, Banff, Canada. I mean, places like oh. that, but you still, you still earn the, you, yeah. you get the hardware, if you will. But I, like, with Bali, I said, I'm not going to fly halfway around the world to go to a beach. I can go to, I can go to a beach. So, um, yeah, but there's, you know, there's recognition that comes with that. And, you know, in an organization, if you, you know, if you're making president's club as a salesperson, that means that you actually know how to sell. It's one thing, well, I shouldn't say, if you do it once, you, maybe you worked hard. If you yeah. do it multiple times, then it's it's an indicator that you you know how to work smart and you know how to you know how to sell. So, what exactly is the way, you, apart from learning on the go and keeping your open mind, uh, what do you think helped you achieve it again and again and again? Uh, it, it's a lot of it is work ethic, sure. right? So um, this is not a forty-hour job. Mm -hmm. It wasn't when I started, and it definitely is not today. Uh, I think one of the mistakes that I see salespeople make, um, especially uh, starting out in the inside sales roles, their office hours are 8.30 to 5, so that's when they work. Um, you know, it's 8.45 Eastern time. I've been working since very early this morning, and I'm going to get up tomorrow and do it all over again. I don't count the number of hours, um, but that's what comes with the job. Um, you know, it's not a... It, it's not a Sales is not an end of job job, right? So you, you don't have a, a project where you go, okay, I'm done. Or you know, if you're in finance, you get to the end of the quarter, you close your books, you're off to the next quarter. This, this never ends. Even yeah, if you, you close a deal, close a deal, you got five more behind it. Miss a deal, you got five more behind that. So it's, it's a, it, it is a constant cycle, but a lot of it is, um, you know, it, it's the work ethic that was instilled in me at a very, very young age. And when I'm hiring people, that's one of the things that I look for as well. Now, sometimes I'll ask people, what was your first job? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not looking for, you know, the first job was the job that they got out of college or the internship that they got in college. And then it's, you know, give me the person who was, who was cutting lawns at 10 years old or, you know, going to work in a grocery store when they were 15. Those are the people who are going to show up to work every single day. You had mentioned that is one of the common mistakes you see uh, salespeople make today, right? Uh, you treat it as a 40 hour job. Okay, I check in at this time, check out my job is done. Uh, what do you think, in terms of approach and process, what do you think uh, is the common mistake made by uh, sales professionals? Well, I think one of the hardest things for sales professionals is that, I mean, you're starting to see now some, some universities um, have a sales, either a sales curriculum or even a sales major. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, 
if you're going to learn sales, you're going to learn from the corporate training that you get or from the, the training and the education that you give yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're going to be a, a, a true professional in this or any job, you have to you have to train, you have to learn. Um, it's, you know, it's reading, it's, uh, it's being part of net sales networking groups, mm -hmm. um, in, in con, you know, it's not going home and playing video games at the end of the day. <laughs> right? It's, you know, when you, you know, it's picking up, you know, sales books and reading blogs and, you know, becoming, uh, friends with, you know, people who are, uh, experts in the field. Uh, and that's, you know, people, I, I've got folks that I've become friendly with that are, you know, half my age, but they, they're doing just amazing things with technology or with, uh, with their approach. And, you know, and I learn from them and I, and the, their energy and their passion is, is, is infectious, but you, um, you know, you, you know, if you look at it, you know, somebody my age who's a, now a chief financial officer, mm -hmm. right. They went to school, they got their CPA, they worked for 20 years in finance. They, they learn all the different intricacies of, you know, between mergers and acquisitions or, um, you know, uh, you know, how to account for, for, for new products and solutions and hire people and all. There's so many, so much nuance to it. And sales is no different. There's, you know, there's a hundred things that you need to learn and know and be good at. Um, so you can't take this as a, you know, well, I, you know, they gave me, they gave me a job and a title and, you know, now, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a phone and uh, in a territory. So I'm just going to go knocking on doors or calling people. It's not, it's not what this is about. You'll fail, especially in this day and age. Okay. Uh, one of the things we often hear from our uh, uh, audience is that enterprise sales, it's a nightmare for most people. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, it is. <laughs> it can be. It can be. <laughs> so first thing is, uh, uh, okay, there are multiple stakeholders involved. Who do I reach out to? Um, what do I tell them? And how do? Where do I connect with them? Uh, because you've been, uh, you started even before LinkedIn was non-existent, right? So right. how do you connect with C-suite? And especially you being a part of uh, vice president of sales, what do you expect from a salesperson when he pitches it to you? When you go for a first yes. So this is one of the things that um, I, I am uh, very emphatic about with my salespeople. Um, and if you want my time and attention, I expect it. And that is research mm -hmm. and be relevant and mm -hmm. contextual. So if you contact me, and I've had this happen, uh, you know, salesperson trying to sell me integration technology. Mm -hmm. Um, I already have did you, did, yeah, did you not go, yeah, did you not go to my LinkedIn profile? Um, or people who try to sell me marketing programs. Um, and, and then when I say I'm, I don't handle marketing and they say, well, who does? We have this thing called a website. It tells you who our, who our VP of marketing is and he's on LinkedIn. So why, you know, do your research. Um, you know, if you're, if you're coming to me, you want me to buy something, know something about me, know something about my company. Um, have a relevant case study, somebody else like me, like mm -hmm. my company that you've helped. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, why would I give you my time? Exactly. And that's, uh, I, I think, you know, the, there's still a lot of salespeople out there that both salespeople and their companies that don't get it. I mean, it, the emails that we get mm -hmm. on a daily basis from companies that are just 
poorly written, poorly researched, and they're just kind of, it feels like they're just, I'm going to send out 2,000 emails today and see if somebody responds. I can delete so fast. I can delete it faster than I can read the subject better. And that's what happens. So, you know, I, I, you know in enterprise sales, it's even more challenging, right? So, you know, here I am at a, at a 200 person company and on any given day, I'll get, you know, 12 to 15 emails and phone calls, people trying to sell me something. Now, imagine if you are the VP of sales or the chief financial officer for General Motors. Mm -hmm. How many calls do you think they get? And how much time do you think that they have? So if they're going to spend five minutes with you, you need to be able to give them 20 minutes of value, <laughs> right? Or it's just not worth their time. And you have about eight seconds to get their attention. You first, you know, with an email or when you connect. So that means you have to research. And when you go on a sales call, uh, whether it's in person or by phone, same thing. You need to, you need to be really well researched in that company and their industry, or you, you may not get a second call. They may be very polite to you and you won't understand why you're not getting the second call or why you didn't get your deal. Mm -hmm. But it's because you weren't, there was no, there was no value to the time with you. You didn't, you didn't educate them. So you know, if you're just going to tell them things that they can get on the internet, which is true now, I mean, one of the big changes since I started selling, you needed the salesperson for everything. Mm -hmm. You want product information, you want price information, you want contract information, you got to talk to the sales guy. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, roughly depending upon who you, who you talk to, 65 to 70% of the sales cycle is already done by the time yeah. they reach out. Yeah. So if you start the process, is if the person doesn't know anything mm -hmm. or that you or you've done no research about them you're you're going to have a, a misalignment right away and there's a good chance that you're just going to upset the person and they're not going to want to spend any time with you brilliant so uh, so the main reason you would say when people wonder okay i did everything right i had a demo call but i don't see the team going further and i don't hear from them so most of the time it is about you don't provide value that that, what you say yeah, you didn't. You, you, there was no reason for me to continue talking to you when. Uh, so you, I, I was at a, a sales kickoff. Oh, I don't know, five or so years ago, mm -hmm. and I said, um, <clears throat> when you have a, a prospect who get, who just you get a no decision. Mm -hmm. it, it's either do nothing or think about it. I said that's 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 your fault as a salesperson. That means you didn't do your job. And people in the room got very upset. I said, no, this is it's your fault. If they it, do nothing means either you didn't qualify them properly or you didn't tell you didn't give them any reason that they had to buy mm -hmm. what you were selling. There's no other there's those are the two reasons. Okay. And there's only two reasons, by the way. Years so my very first vice president of sales back at ADP um, said that there are two only two reasons that anybody buys anything. And this has not changed, by the way. So one of your questions, what, what's changed, what hasn't? Here's the thing that has not changed. Two reasons anybody buys anything, whether it's shoes, clothes, integration software, or a, a new server. Mm -hmm. Pain and perception of value add. Okay. It's going to make me better or, or it's going to solve a problem. That's it. Pain there's, no the there's no third, there's no, there's no, there's no third reason. <laughs> um, and anything that, you know, when, when someone buys something, it's going to, you know, you can try to figure out some, some other angle, but it's going to be because they were in pain and you solved it or you, they needed some competitive advantage or they needed something that 
that was going to give them uh, a, a, you know, a leg up. And it could be personal, by the way. It could be somebody buying because their value add is that they want to get a promotion and you're helping them to get a promotion. But you need to understand what that is. Is it pain or is it value add? And by the way, it's always easier to sell pain. Always easier to sell, sell to sell pain. <laughs> so when, especially when you're looking for selling good to have products, uh, then you, it's better to approach the value add, am I right? Um, it, no, really, it depends. I mean, we we sell um, at Jitterbit. We sell to both. We sell to companies and people that are in significant pain mm -hmm. um, because they can't do things like they can't they can't track orders. They can't close their books at the end of the quarter because their systems don't talk to each other. Mm -hmm. and, and, and in some cases we sell to people who recognize that, Hey, if we can get our systems integrated, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, that's going to give us the ability to do something that our competitors can't do in the market and give me competitive advantage. There may not be any pain there. It's just a vision that, Hey, if we make this investment, we're going to be better. Fair. So you said like over all these years, the process, of sales hasn't changed. When that is the reason people buy from you hasn't changed at all. Only two reasons. So what has changed? So um, well, and it's interesting. So there's more to that. So those are the two reasons that they, that people buy. But the process itself, yeah. um, I also don't think the process has really changed. It grows in it, um, it, it in contracts based on on um, how big the offering is that you're selling. Mm -hmm. So if you're selling a million dollar um, item to an enterprise, mm -hmm. that sales process will be longer. Versus if you're selling a car, right? Where it's you're going to buy a car today or you're not. Um, but you still have to you still have to qualify. Mm -hmm. You still have to um, present. Mm -hmm. You still have to propose. You still have to close. Mm -hmm. You still have to do some form of contract, right? So those things are those are constant. Um, what has uh, what has changed is the the methodology and the technology behind all of it. Right. So um, now I've got, you know, the ability to create emails and outreach or sales loft. Right. And 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 have, you know, marketing emails that are very targeted and they go out um, at specific times. And I can get seven different emails to you different with different messages, messages until you open one of them and respond. PowerPoint and clear slide and all these tools to do presentations. I can. I can do a, a web conference, right? I don't have to get in my car or get on an airplane to, sure. for every presentation like, like when I started. Um, I have uh, sales engineers to help me with my demos. I don't have to know both the sales and the product side of it. I have people who know that. I have a cell phone, right? So I'm wherever, and a laptop. So I'm, wherever I am in the world, I'm working. So there, there are a lot of things that have changed um, and have made us more powerful as salespeople, but you need to understand each of these things are a tool mm -hmm. to help you with your job. And, and, and because each one is a tool, how do I use each one to help me get better? What, what, does that, what is that tool for? What is that piece of software going to do to help me to do my job? It's not just that the company gave, said, oh, here, you, know, you, you should use LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Why? That's a tool. How, how, you know, how will it make me better? How will, it, how will I improve by using it and then use it to, to that advantage? So those are, the, I'd say, the biggest change. Um, you know, we're using, um, we're using artificial intelligence, AI, mm -hmm. in, our sales, uh, in our sales, not so much in the sales process, but in the marketing, for sure. So I've got, um, I've got AI that does the job of probably, you know, two or three sales development reps, SDRs. Wow.
Yeah. So I, I, and by the way, she works every single day. She never calls in sick. She never complains about the temperature in the office. She's great. She's wonderful. Well, she's my favorite, one of my favorite employees. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that, those are the big changes. Okay. Uh, so you talked about tools. Uh, is there anything like what are the tools do you think uh, you have found useful? That okay, some could be very well known as LinkedIn, but some could be very small or productive tools that you've been using for a while and it has been helping. Yeah, my 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 biggest tools are not surprising. It's um, you know it's Salesforce, it's LinkedIn, it's Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. I don't do Snapchat, Instagram, and all that stuff. I don't know that it's really relevant for okay. for my type of work and it becomes a distraction more than anything else. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, there's a tremendous amount of information um, both about the industry and my competitors mm -hmm. on LinkedIn and Twitter. LinkedIn. Um, oh, sorry, Twitter. Twitter. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause you know what your competitors do? They put stuff out on Twitter when they have a new product okay. or sometimes like we have a competitor whose customers aren't very happy with them. Mm -hmm. So you know where they go when they're not happy? They go to Twitter. <laughs> Oh, okay. right, right. So I, so I learn, I learn about my competition by what their customers say about them on Twitter. Okay. Um, yeah. So the, you know, and then, you know, we we use Slack. Um, we use I, I I use text as a tool, mm -hmm. right? As a communication tool, both internally and externally. Thanks. If you've given externally, right? Okay. So if you've if I'm selling to you mm -hmm. and you've given me your cell your cell phone number. Mm -hmm. I that that's permission for me to reach out to you by cell. Now the mistake that people make, like you can get my cell number on the internet. You can yes. Google me and you'll get my cell number. Yeah. If but you I text don't... me and I don't Yeah, that's a level of intimacy that you okay. no no no. So um if you again use it as a tool. Um I use email as a as a as a as a tool for my job, mm -hmm. both to communicate internally and externally because I can communicate to a lot of people all at one time or I can send a message and I and I know that the message was delivered if I leave somebody a voicemail chances are especially in this day and age they'll never hear it okay but in, but if I send you an email I even through outreach I know you I know that you got it I know that you opened it I know how many times you opened it right yeah. so it's it, you know it's it's using that um, that technology uh, in a way that's advantageous but not to be um, you know not to be sneaky and not to try to uh, fool somebody into talking to you or engaging you. It's, you know, it, I think that's one of the things that's also different now is um, you need you need to be much, or you know, we as salespeople need to be much more um, forthright and honest with yeah. people. Um, people now really want um, real human interaction, mm -hmm. and if you're and if you're not if you're not being honest with them, or they think you're just trying to get money from them. Mm -hmm. They're, generally speaking, they're just, they don't want to do business with you. But if you're helpful and, you know, if your product does something really great, tell them it does something, it does this thing really great. If it doesn't do what they want, tell them. I, I, I don't do that. Can't do that. Right. And, uh, you know, the worst thing that happens is you're out, you're, you're out, you're out of the deal. But, you know, but, but here's the thing. The people will remember the honest sales guy who says, I, I, I can't help you with that. Though. Can't help you. Yeah. And the next time that you need something that I can help you with, you'll call me because I was the guy who didn't try to just okay. shove software down your throat, right? Because that, yeah, I still have a long career ahead of you. And yeah. Yes. 
Uh, one thing I learned, I learned is one DPs uh, and directors are on social media. You can find them on LinkedIn and Twitter. Yeah, I learned that. Uh, yeah. Second thing is, would it be fair to say people buy people? That staying still applies. Yeah. Okay. So sales sales is still a transfer of emotion. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what you're buying, mm-hmm. right? So if I if I think your product is only okay. Mm-hmm. but I really don't like you, Okay. I'm not going to buy from you. Okay. Now, if your product is great and you are the only, you're the, uh, the only way I can get it is, I, I, I may not like you, but the only way I can get the product is to buy it from you, I will do, do that. But then I probably won't do business with you again. I'll find okay. another way. Okay. But if I like you and your product is really good, you're, that's, that's where you want to be. I think we can plot it in a four by four matrix. Mm-hmm. How yeah, much I pretty much. and the value of the product. Yeah, 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 yeah pretty much. Okay. <laughs> uh, the next one is, uh, you said one of the things you mentioned is uh, reading books and all those things help you a lot. And especially yeah. uh, people when you get back home, you read and learn. What do you think? What, can you recommend a couple of books that you found that help in your career? Really yeah, so different books at different stages of my career, different stages of a, of a person's career. So, um, you know, people who are uh, who are newer to sales, I, I recommend the same book uh, and have for a bunch of years. And I've been fortunate to become friendly with uh, with the author. And that's um, Jeffrey Gittimer's Little Red Book of Selling. Okay. It's still it's it's a quick, easy book, mm-hmm. um, but it's a it's a it's still a really wonderful way to kind of understand what 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 sales is going to be like and what you need to be personally. Um, there's a book that was written a few years ago by James Keenan called Not Taught. Um, T-A-U-G-H-T mm-hmm. fantastic book um, also for people who are newer in their career uh, a book that uh, I, I'm actually rereading a second time mm-hmm. uh, that uh, our leadership team read and I think now most of the a lot of the people in our company have read is a book called Leadership and Self-Deception okay uh, it, an amazing book mm-hmm. um, so I, I yeah that, that's a book that I would highly recommend and then I think the other just, you know, for salespeople in general is um, it's a combination, not necessarily of books, but I think it's important that we understand um, economics and history. Okay. Right. Because, yeah, because, yeah, because if you understand history um, and you understand how how things got to where they are, you have a pretty good, you begin to get an idea of what, how things will happen. Right. So if history is the predict, not that, um, History doesn't repeat itself, as my son taught me. It doesn't repeat its history. Doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes, um, but history is the best predictor of the future, okay. right? So in business, if you understand history, mm-hmm. it gives you a better view of of, of what the future might hold. Um, and economics is still fundamentally how we operate every day. Mm-hmm. It's not you know it, it's not ROI. It's the fundamentals of of money. How does money work? How does a how does a business decide what to spend money on today and forego other things, mm-hmm. right? So um, when, a, you know, and again, back, you know, you, you mentioned enterprise selling before. If I'm going to sell to an enterprise, I'm competing mm-hmm. for dollars in that enterprise. They, ha- they may have 100 projects, but they can only afford to do 12 of them. So they have to decide what 12, and that's, that, those are economic decisions. So that's why the, I think the economic piece is important. So it's, you know, it, it's not necessarily a book versus, you know, 
picking up from time to time, The Economist, the Harvard Business Review, mm-hmm. um, you know, reading multiple news sources um, so that you're smart and understand what's going on in the world. I mean, I, I'm, I'm always surprised by salespeople who haven't, don't take the basic step of looking at, um, at a newspaper online for a territory that they sell into. So if you sell into Chicago and you live in Boston, you can go to the chicagotribune.com and, and know what's happening in Chicago and be relevant when you talk to somebody there, right? But those are things that I, you know, I, I think that we owe it to our prospects and our customers to do that work. Oh, that's great. Um, you yeah. owe it to your prospects. Yeah, but the, you know, the sales, you know, a lot of the sales books that are, that, you know, that are out there, whether it's you know, uh, Challenger Sale or Miller Hyman, or, they're great books and they're important, but it, first off, the, the prospect knows if you're using a sales strategy on them, Okay. right? They're smart. Um, and, and, you know, and by the way, treat your, please treat your prospects like the smart people that they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is oftentimes by the time those books are printed, the, the, it's, it's already outdated. Yeah it's, yeah. it's already no good. Like years ago, there was a book called selling to veto veto stood for a very important top officer. Okay. And it was all about the tactics to get, you know, to get a, a meeting with, with these, with executives, a fantastic book for six months. <laughs> that was it. And after six months, all the executives that you were selling to were onto it because every salesperson was doing the same thing. And they're like, what, you know, what? I actually had somebody ask me what, like, why am I getting all these personalized envelopes and handwritten? Yeah. Emails? It's like, because we all read the same stupid book. That's <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, it's like they say market is ruining everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, one thing I would ask is, uh, one of the things you had mentioned in your profile under Jitter is intelligent growth. Uh, mm. Actually, we don't see it very often. People are talking about growth, aggressive growth, all these things we've seen. But intelligent growth is something we don't come across very often. And people are giving importance to it. Uh, if you could just explain what is it and why is it important. Sure. Sure. So intelligent growth is, is, are things like um, understanding who, who, where do you have the right to win? So don't just chase everything because very few companies can actually sell to every single company regardless of size and shape. Um, so understand, especially I should say, you know, for, for startups or smaller companies, where do you have the right to win? Mm-hmm. Focus there. So we, you know, we have, a, you know, I, the ideal customer profile. Mm-hmm. Um, conversely, we have the not ideal customer profile. So what are the, like, I don't sell to federal government. So if I get a lead from federal government, I know I'm not going to sell to them. Mm-hmm. Now, the intelligent growth part of that is to understand why we don't go there. Mm-hmm. And the why we don't go there is because for me to sell to federal government or to sell to a very large enterprise like a General Motors or IBM, is those sales cycles are two to three years long. Mm-hmm. And they're very political. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to take precious sales resources and tie them up for a very long period of time. Okay. Now, if I, if I win, that's great. Maybe I win a million or two million or five million dollar deal, but if I lose, I've just lost two years of productivity. So the intelligent growth is really understanding where, what am I going to be, what am I going to going to be good at? Mm-hmm. Where will I win? And then focusing my energy on on those places. Mm-hmm. Right now, if you build your company and say my my company is built to sell to the enterprise, it's all we're going to do, and you take an investment money, and they understand it's one to three year sales cycles. So don't come looking to me at, you know, after the first quarter and say, so where's my money? You know, there's no money after the first quarter. Yeah. 
but that's that's what we talk about with intelligent growth. It's hiring, you know, really hiring people to the to the to, to the, the mission of the company. Not just not just because oh, I worked with Mike before; he's a good good sales guy. So I'm gonna you know I'm gonna bring him in. Mike may may not be a good fit for what you do. Maybe a great guy, but it's really being thoughtful and planful in what you do, and not just say. I need to make a million dollars, so I'm going to go hire 10 salespeople. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Does that help? Yeah. It, it, uh, okay. because one thing it was, uh, I heard for the first time, or I have often read about making an ideal customer profile, uh, but this is the first time someone has told, uh, make a who is not your ideal customer profile uh, and why. Understand why they are not your ideal customer. That's something new and that's helpful. Okay. So, just last two questions before I let you go. So I don't know if it's already 10 minutes past our schedule. Uh, one okay. thing is, uh, what are the trends you see in the SaaS industry emerging in the 2020? Uh, so I think one, one is, is, is artificial intelligence is finding its way into sales. Okay. There's no question about it. Um, uh, it's finding its way into marketing. It's finding its way into um, sales process. It's finding its way into uh, sales methodology and helping salespeople to know what's their next step and what content do they need. Um, and I'm very, that's very exciting to me, by the way. Uh, could you give um, me a specific example of that? So, yeah, I mean, we, like I mentioned before that we use, uh, we use artificial intelligence in marketing. Mm-hmm. So we use it for, um, for, uh, our, what's called nurtures, nur- mm-hmm. our nurture Maybe. leads, right? Yeah. yeah. So I may have, I, I'm not going to disclose the number. Let's say I have a hundred thousand nurture leads. Mm-hmm. I, I Number one, I'm not going to pay somebody to call and email those 100,000 nurture leads, right? But I can apply um, marketing intelligence to it from a messaging standpoint and then use my AI to communicate and converse with those 100,000 people until, you know, someone raises their hand and says, yes, I'm interested. By the way, at that point, because we don't fool people. So when someone says, I'm interested... They, that immediately goes to a live, uh, an actual person. Sure. There are companies out there that still haven't gone that, all that way, but I do think at that point, you know, you, you got to get them to the right person. Okay. Um, so we, we, we use it there. We use um, a solution called Drift mm-hmm. on our website. On right, to greet, to, yeah, to, yeah, to greet. Right, so the problem with, with a website is that it's, it's dumb. It's flat. Yeah. So I can, I'm clicking around and I'm downloading white papers and I, I, I maybe I, maybe it was a good visit, maybe it wasn't, maybe I got what I wanted, I don't know. But if somebody, if that little bot pops up and says, "Hi, welcome to Jitterbit. Do you need sales help or support?" Mm-hmm. Oh, I need sales help. What do you need? Yeah. You know, what what systems do you need to connect? Do I need to connect SAP and Salesforce? Great. Let me connect you to one of our sales. Like it's just it's being it's being smart. It's taking advantage of uh, you know uh, uh, being smart with people's time if they come to your website mm-hmm. and giving them a great experience, no different than if they walked into a store, right? If you walk into a store, you have a great experience. You'll buy something. You walk into a store, nobody talks to you or they're rude to you. You're not buying anything. Same thing. Same idea. So that's, that's one trend. And the other is um, just the, you know, I, I, I am seeing, I think I'm seeing a trend towards um, salespeople actually starting to do research. So even, you know, regardless of what I said before, there's still more salespeople who aren't doing research, mm. but the ones who are doing it stand out. You can, you yeah. can see it right away. Fair enough. And I see it in, in when I'm hiring, by the way. So oh. I, I, the people who, people who've done their research before they talk to me, I know okay. people who haven't 
<laughs> By the way, that I don't I don't hire the people who haven't done research. <laughs> I'm the I'm still the only Michael Molfelder in the world. Uh, so if you haven't done some research about me, I'm not hiring you. Uh, to be fair, uh, in fact, like your profile is very detailed, and for someone, and every single job and every role is very detailed out. And it wasn't actually hard for us to do research on you. So uh, the so one thank the, you. Uh, <laughs> uh, the last one is uh, just two more questions before let. Uh, one is uh, for a, one of the questions we had asked is uh, what is the one key takeaway uh, you would give us uh, audience that is I'll split it into two right now uh, that is sales reps or managers. Uh, so I would take research as the input there. What about people about that, directors and uh, regional managers and those kind of people? Um, you're you're Some, not a manager, you're a Yeah, you, the, the takeaway is you're not a manager, you're a coach. Okay. Your, your, your job is to help your salespeople and your prospects mm -hmm. to be better and to, to know why, to, to know what the value is in buying from you. Yeah. If you're just there to manage an Excel spreadsheet, that's 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 easy. If you're going to be you know mean to your people, you're not going to have a very good career. People aren't going to want to work for you. People want to be coached. Um, I you know I think the the big takeaway for me is um, you know if you're a manager, a sales manager, sales director, you want to coach people. Mm -hmm. And if you're a sales manager or a sales rep, people want to people want to deal with people who are real, right? So the 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 best the best quality that you can bring to a prospect is just be yourself. Yeah. Authenticity. Don't, yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Authenticity. Yeah. People uh, can tell now, right? People <laughs> can tell now. Exactly. We're smarter. Yeah. Especially when you said intuitive, right? Yeah. That supersedes. Yeah. 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 And by the way, if you, if you don't think that your prospect isn't going to LinkedIn and Google, like the same way you research your prospect, mm -hmm. you don't think that they're not going to LinkedIn or Google and Mike Molfelder, oh, okay, fine. You know, they find my LinkedIn page, or they Google me, and they find out where I live and what. I... So why just be real with them? The last question, but uh, okay, how do you go about developing a winning sales strategy for SaaS industry? Um, how do I develop a winning? Well, it depends on on the industry. So number one is to you you need to know really actually really know your industry. Okay. Um, you know, there, there's, a, you know, roughly 150,000 SaaS applications out there now, mm -hmm. right? So <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's mind boggling how much is out there, but if you know your industry and you really understand the value mm -hmm. that your solution brings, mm -hmm. um, excuse me, you can begin to build a, a sales strategy around it. So is it, you know, is it around uh, the, the, your technology? Is it around your support? Is it a, is it price point? Is it some combination? Um, is it, I just have the easiest UI and the best easiest downloadable application. Mm -hmm. So really understand what are the value propositions and the reasons why somebody will buy from you. Yeah. And then you want to you know, align your, the better you understand that, by the way, you, you, you then understand what the buy process looks like. Mm -hmm. And you want to align your sales process as best as you can with the buy process. Okay. So when I'm, you know, when I'm building a SaaS model, and the, you know, this is one of the things we're always looking at is how do I get, how do I get closer to the buy process? How do I understand better what's the, um, what's the value to the solution? 
at each step of the way. So, and, and, and for different, for different use cases, right? So somebody who needs to connect um, Salesforce and NetSuite has different value, different needs and assigns a different value economically to my solution than somebody who's connecting SAP to 10 Oracle databases, right? So you need to really understand what is it your customer is buying your product for, which is going to be a generally a range and then build your sales processes you probably have more than one around based on the your price point and what the value is so like in my organization i have inside sales i have field sales we have uh strategic account executives who just sell to customers we have people who sell to um to resellers software resellers so each of those are different sales processes so we need to understand What's the what's the buyer need and expect in each of those sales processes and then build the process to map and match that. Hey.